Gracious Heavenly Father, you have given purpose and meaning to our lives, and Lord, you have even commanded purpose and meanings into our lives so that we might live lives that you have created for us and effective within this world. And we go to your great commission and we realize that you have, you have set us in this world for a purpose and that we are to go, therefore, making disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching to observe all that we command. And Lord, we do that with our lives in, in so many ways. But Lord, we do not do it alone. We do so bracketed by the wonderful word that you have, that all authority has been given unto you in heaven and on earth. And lo, you are with us always, even unto the end of the age. So from the beginning to the end, Lord, you are here. And we are yours, and Lord, we come to you asking you to express your authority and that, Lord, we might draw upon your power. This I pray, Lord that you might teach us now and that our hearts might learn and that we might, not, that we might hide ourselves in you both now and forevermore in the wonderful and the powerful name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to join together with me this morning as we return to the school of prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13. Now you may remember from last week as we open verse 13, uh, that the Lord's Prayer uh, is divided into a number of prayer requests that, and and we have now arrived at the sixth of the prayer requests that are outlined by Jesus. Now, the first three of the prayer requests in the Lord's Prayer uh, embrace a concern for God, that his name be kept holy, that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that once we have then anchored ourselves in this prayer for his concern and, and, and anchored ourselves in his heart, then our Heavenly Father welcomes us to, to lay out our requests. Our requests for daily bread, for forgiveness from a sinful past. And then finally, as we come to this request, confidence that we might be able to stand tall in the presence and then boldly step into the future with his guidance and his protection. And so we read in Matthew 16 verse Matthew 6 verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or better yet, as I brought last week, the evil one. Again, you may remember from last week, th- this prayer may actually sound like two requests, where in fact they are one. What we have here are two requests that are welded into a single strategy for battle that allows us to live in the present and move into the future. And the, and, and the two parts, the one is defensive or a negative part of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation. And then there is a positive or offensive strategy. Uh, deliver us from evil. According to Jesus, both are required for us to be equipped for life being skilled in the martial arts of prayer. And trust me, life does require such martial art. Even though I said that these are two requests that welded together as one, I went ahead and I broke them into two. I dealt with temptation last week, and now I pivot into the second part, deliverance from the evil one. For the last couple of years, I have just for my own spiritual refreshment, been reading everything that I 
can get my hands on by two theologians uh, trying to inhale their spirit. Uh, they are theologian pastors who served the believing church in Nazi Germany during World War II. And both of them, they suffered tremendously for their faith. One of them, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was executed in the concentration camp. The other, Helmut Tillicke, he served as a pastor in Stuttgart during the horrors of that war. And as the war tore into Stuttgart, he, he, he preached a series of sermons on the Lord's Prayer. And, and his sermon on this particular passage, Deliver Us From Evil, is, is unique, especially given the circumstances. When you, when you read through the text of his sermon, you will find that there is a note, in, in, in my edition at least, that explains that the, that the sermon actually was begun in the Church of the Hospitallers only to be interrupted by a carpet bombing raid. And the people had to evacuate the building and go hide into the, in, in the air raid shelters. And, and then we, we know there's another note that, that follows on that, saying, indicating that the sermon continued in the only space left standing in Stuttgart days after the city had been, been leveled by the bomb. And as Helmut Tillicke writes in this, he said, this preacher saw written on the faces of the congregation the destinies from which they had come and for which they were approaching. He sensed the horror that they faced, the tension that they felt, not knowing whether the next moment would bring the scream of death and then scatter them in all directions. This preacher saw the torment of doubt and despair, the hunger and thirst for a valid comfort and encouragement that would stand the test in hours of extreme danger, in hours quivering in underground shelters, suffering agonies of body and mind. Now you can imagine that, that a prayer like that, like this, would become so relevant to such people. Deliver us from the evil one. Now this preacher unlike Helmut Tillicke, looks around the congregation realizing that we do not fear a carpet bombing raid in Vancouver, British Columbia today. However, I do realize that there are people who come. And in, the, in their faces, you can, you can sense the tension that they feel, not knowing whether the next moments, even the next week, would scatter them in directions. That, that in coming into this sanctuary that you might come... Uh, with a torment of doubt and despair, a hunger and a thirst for valid comfort and encouragement that would stand the test in hours of extreme danger and in an hour's quivering, suffering agonies of body and mind. Introducing this prayer then, deliver us from evil, Helmut Tillicke wrote, he says this, behind all the dangers in our life and behind all the dark menaces that overshadow it, there is a dark, a darker and most mysterious spellbinding figure at work. Behind all of the temptation we face stands the tempter. Behind all of the lies that we hear stands the liar. And behind all the dead and the bloodshed that surrounds us stands the murderer who was from the beginning. We may pray, deliver us from evil, but do not be fooled. Behind all of the evil we face, in practice, is the evil one a person. Now, we may think that, that we have graduated from such thinking, 
There are many who have written this evil one off as maybe a figment of medieval imagination, a a carpet from the past, a a green-eyed devil with cloven feet and the smell of brimstone to the point where this evil one has become too small to be feared, too antique to be relevant, or too impotent to harass us. In fact, there are in our society many pagans for for whom he is still alive, but in their minds they think they've got him tamed, tamed to the point where, as modern pagans, they can toy with him, thinking that they are holding his leash without realizing that it is not a leash. They have a tiger by the tail. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, his instructions are filled with warning. Whenever you pray, pray, deliver us from the evil one. He is a personality we must recognize. That's what we, we read in Scripture. This morning we read in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, be self-controlled, be alert, get a grip, wake up. You've got an enemy, the devil, and he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to sink his teeth into. This is the evil one who in the Bible is known by any number of names. Here in 1 Peter we have two, the enemy and the devil. In my study over this last week, I came up with a short list of at least 13 names in the Scriptures for this evil one, and at least six metaphors to go right along with those names. Metaphors like a roaring lion or the, the, the horrid dragon in Revelation. I won't go into them all, but just to give you an idea how the names describe his character. The first name that we find in 1 Peter, the enemy, can also be translated the adversary. A relentless opponent who opposes God in all things holy at each and every turn and in each and every moment. The name devil we have there as well means slanderer. And we find it again in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 11. He is the one who does all he can do to twist the truth. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2, he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. The one who leverages temptations of all kinds upon humanity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, his name is the angel of light, and he is capable of dazzling delusions. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he is the murderer and the liar, and in Revelation 9, he is the destroyer. In in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, he is known as Lucifer, the ultimate deceiver. And with an opponent like this at loose in the world, it is then no wonder that Jesus would tell us that we need to pray. Deliver us from the evil one. (laughs) I love the way William Eisenhower, a theological professor at Fuller Seminary, reinforces Jesus' perspective here with this prayer. The danger we face, he says, is that we make our devil too small. He writes, how do we do that? this. Our devil is too small if he is merely a personification and not a person. Many of us treat the devil as though he were a symbol for evil rather than the active instigator of it. Our devil is too small if he is consigned to a time long, long ago in a galaxy far, far and away. A Sith Lord, I guess. Our devil is too small if we think we can recognize him without God's help. If we only look for the extreme cases of demonic affliction, 
we may miss the attractive, nice, helpful figure who suggests that integrity is not as quite as important as we were led to believe. Our devil is too small if we think that we are smart enough, quick enough, strong enough, or holy enough to resist him all on our own. He can scare us, advancing like a roaring lion. He can beguile us, masquerading as an angel of light. Thus, the life of faith is a struggle in which we are horribly outmatched. And so, we pray every moment, every day, Heavenly Father, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. But know this one thing. This is not a prayer of desperation. It is not a prayer of fear. It is a prayer of cold, clear-eyed confidence. Because every time we pray this prayer, we are looking past all of the dangers of the devil in order to lay claim to all of the power of our Heavenly Father, which is ours in Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who commands us to pray this prayer, and it is Jesus who commands us to fix our attention upon Him. It is Jesus who makes all of these things a matter of promise. We read in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I am the one who has overcome the world. That is Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his sermon on Ephesians, John Calvin, (laughs) I just loved it, he nailed this point home. He says, For not only by one blow, but by a hundred thousand times, we should have been overwhelmed by the power of the devil if our Lord had not upheld us. But whatever happens, whatever happens, let us march with our heads upright, depending upon the help promised from above, and we shall experience it in such a way that we can go on invincibly, more than conquerors, through Jesus Christ. If we were not on God's side we would be without hope. But we are on God's side, and because of that, it is the devil who is without hope. For Jesus Christ will continue his reign in our lives until such time as he will put all enemies and the enemy himself under his feet. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So every time you pray this prayer, you are looking past the dangers of the devil, and you're fixing your eyes on Jesus Christ your Savior. And in that, you are laying claim to the power of God. He is the one who delivers. Martin, Martin Luther was, was, was right to write, the, a mighty fortress is our God, that hymn. You find it, hymn number 33. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can't endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little world, word will fell him. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is he, Lord Sabaoth his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Just had to do that. Yeah. Add that the next time to your prayer when you pray, Heavenly Father, deliver me from the evil one. 
But the fact is, this power is not just in the words that we pray. Jesus did not give us this prayer saying, pray these words, like a mantra. But he said, pray this way. Pray in this manner. Pray with this at the depth of your heart. And it is from the heart of belief by which we pray that we find the power. We read in the Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our prayer is is as much a matter of heart and mind to us as it is to Jesus Christ, for by that his power guards us. But I wonder sometimes how convinced am I of the power of God. (laughs) You may wonder that to yourself as well. How convinced are you of the power of God? Some time ago I read of a small town in the United States, a small little Midwest farming town, where a nightclub had opened on the main street, bold and brazen as can be. Well, the only church in town, in that small town, called an emergency all-night prayer meeting where along with all the prayers and concern, one of the members actually prayed that God would bring fire down to destroy the club. Well, it just so happened that within a few minutes of that prayer, lightning actually did strike the club and burned it to the ground. Well, the story of that prayer got out, and the owner of the club sued the church. Of course, the church denied responsibility and went ahead and took their lawyer to court. No, no, we're not responsible for that. And after hearing both sides, the judge ultimately dismissed the suit, but not before he made this judgment. It seems, he said, that wherever the guilt may lie, the nightclub owner believes in the power of prayer, while the church does not. Do your prayers reflect your belief? When it comes to the deliverance of the evil one, they better reflect your belief. The Bible makes our part of deliverance clear. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, we read, This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Do you believe? Who is it that overcomes the world? We continue to read. Only he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, if we were alone in this venture, we'd be in a heap of trouble. But you are not alone, which makes your relationship with Jesus absolutely essential for living. I love the reminder J.I. Packer gave when he wrote this. He said, the Bible only tells us enough about Satan in order to detect and resist him. And many questions about him and the demonic hosts that follow him must remain unanswered. What is certain, however, is that through a sinless life and a sacrificial death and a triumphant resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ has decisively defeated Satan and he is now a defeated foe. That he will never be able to finally thwart God's purposes for salvation and restoration. And that here and now, Christians who take the armor of God to themselves can successfully withstand his attacks, and that he, the evil one, will spend all of eternity in the lake of burning sulfur, tormented day and night forever and ever, while we, who believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, have overcome the world. And so we pray, in obedience to his claim in our lives, deliver us from evil. And with this prayer, we can begin to live a life of purpose and meaning and mission 
in the name of Jesus Christ who commissioned all of his disciples, you, me, all of us, to go into the world and with that confidence rest upon all authority in heaven and earth which has been given unto him and even now, lo, until the end of the age, covers us, you and me. Do you believe this? Do you really believe? Let me close with a story told by Christmas Evans, one of the great Welsh preachers in the last century. I think he's the first one who ever told this story and was in the midst of a tremendous revival in, in Wales. His story began with the dramatic announcement that the devil had a conference in hell. He told his demon army that there was a, a Christian revival going on on earth and that people were turning to Christ in such numbers that something had to be done to stop it. Were there any ideas? One, of the, one demon spoke up. He said, let's attack the Bible, the book that carries the message of salvation. A second stood up and suggested, let's attack the ministers who preach that, ministry, uh, that message of the salvation in Jesus Christ. A third popped up and offered, let's attack the church and all those who claim their salvation to be real. Finally, a deputy of the devil spoke up. We've tried all these, but here's the best one. Let's go ahead and concede all of those points, all those points about Jesus and salvation. But then let us simply whisper into the ears of all who are about to believe, not now, maybe later, but not now. I'm in no danger. Not now. Look, the devil is saying to you who may have taken your eyes off Jesus, or even you who may not have decided for Jesus Christ, yes, this may be true, but don't worry about it. Not now. You're not in danger. You must not listen to that voice. Pray this prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me now for Christ's sake. Deliver me from the power of the devil. Enable me by your grace to live the life you meant me to live with confidence and with peace. Resolve in your heart right now, I will have Jesus. I want him to forgive my sins. I want him to write my name in the book of life. I want him to lead me, not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one right now, right today, right here in this place. And I want this prayer to be on my lips and in my heart. Join together with me, even as we would put that prayer onto our lips and into our heart. It's that prayer you will find on the slide there. It's the prayer our, our Lord taught us to pray, and it's the prayer that we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.